Hey everybody and welcome to the Tim 44, a weekly webisode and podcast from the editors here at CCJ, Overdrive, and Truck Parts Service. My name is James Gillette and my co-host on the other side is Jason Cannon. This week on the Tim 44, H2, and we don't mean some Rob Zombie Halloween remake, uh, we're talking hydrogen on the heels of the announcement this week that Navistar has made an investment in a hydrogen production and storage company and the General Motors is coming along for the ride. News broke late this week that General Motors plans to partner with Navistar on development of a fuel cell equipped international RH series truck. As part of the deal, Navistar invested in 1H2, a company that supplies hydrogen fueling solutions including hydrogen production, storage, delivery, and safety. Yeah, so International's RH series has become a popular option for the H2 treatment. Um, Navistar last November, last November partnered with Cummins on a Department of Energy project truck, again using the RH, uh, but the fuel cells for that truck are uh, provided by Hydrogenics, which, is, uh, which Cummins acquired in 2019. As part of the most recent deal with Navistar, GM will provide its Hydrotech fuel cells to power the RH. Hydrotech fuel cells are also at the heart of a supplier deal that GM announced late last year with Nikola Motors. There's no shortage of fuel cell suppliers, and we've covered a couple of them in just the last few minutes, but Toyota is an important one. Toyota's Mirai passenger car has been available in the U.S. since 2015, and at the heart of that car is a fuel cell that will power Hino's hydrogen heavy-duty trucks, which are set for production later this year. They also currently power Kenworth's T680 fuel cell electric vehicle. Joining us now is Chad Kirchner. Chad's the editor-in-chief of EVPulse.com. Chad's a personal friend of mine who brings us seven years of automotive industry experience, including some time behind the wheel of Toyota's Mirai. Chad, what's that driver experience like? Um, then, I mean, driving experience, like it feels like a normal car, honestly. But any of that, any of that stuff where you're sitting around thinking, okay, we need the transmission to shift, waiting the transmission to shift, that doesn't happen. I think that's the, I think that's the big takeaway from any electric car, whether it be hydrogen powered or not, is that lack of a, a geared transmission. And even on the real high-end electrics right now, they're only a two-speed box. So when I first drove the Mirai, I I didn't know if how the hydrogen fuel cell, I, mean, I know how it works, but I didn't know how quickly it could make power for the electric motor to, to function. So I didn't know if there would be a delay from putting your foot down the equivalent of turbo leg while it kind of while it does its thing to generate the electricity. Um, with a battery electric vehicle, I mean, the juice is just there. You just flow the juice through. I didn't notice any of those performance issues when I was actually driving it. So um, the process of converting hydrogen to electricity is apparently much quicker than maybe I thought, but I'm also a moron. Um, and it, it just it it just works. I mean, I, I, I don't want to come on here and say, oh, hey, this is the huge, you know, this is this huge life-changing experience. It's not. It's it's very similar to a gas car. And I think that that's at least if you're going to try to convince people that that's the way you need to go, I think that's the better way to to present it is to say, look, this is, it's going to feel like what you're used to. Are there any parts of the normal car experience that feel less normal than others? Um, where you notice the difference between a hydrogen car and a gasoline car is really when you go to fuel it up. Um, there's it, the process is similar in terms of just stick a nozzle into the car, um, but there you're obviously limited in what stations that you can do. Um, 
there's a little bit of a procedure to fill hydrogen in terms of locking the, the nozzle onto the cap because it has to maintain a certain amount of pressure. But if you get it wrong, it doesn't fuel. So it just doesn't work um, until you get the connection right. I've driven Kenworth's ZECT T680, but that truck is equipped with a Ballard fuel cell. Uh, but I would I would agree with you that the instantaneous power assessment that that's incredibly accurate. But what about range? You know, fleets can't afford to take a massive uh, deduct on mileage and then wait two, three, four times as long to fill up. I tend to find electric vehicles, just in general, to be a little bit more susceptible to outside environments affecting range. Um, so uh, a headwind may lower the fuel economy on a gas-powered car or on a diesel-powered car or truck, um, but a headwind would reduce the range more on an electric car in the same situations. Um, but I just I haven't done enough real-world testing to be able to tell you otherwise, other than I like the fact that you can, after X amount of miles, whatever Toyota is going to say it is or whatever Hino says it's going to be, um, if there's a refueling station, you're refueling just as quickly as you are, whether if you pulled up to a diesel pump. Chad, how do you think your experience with a fuel cell car would translate into a heavy truck? Basically, on a light car, um, a regular sedan, something like a Mirai, even um, with battery prices as inexpensive as they are now, which they're about $100 a kilowatt. Um, and that's actually high. I mean, we, I'm expecting it to be half that by, by next year. Um, end of next year, but at a hundred dollars a kilowatt, it just, it makes more sense when you factor in the cost to drive per mile. Now, when you start adding size and weight, um, you lose a lot of efficiency in the battery electric side and you gain that efficiency, uh, with hydrogen. So then once you reach, I think they, it was right around a class three, um, then suddenly, Yes, you're paying more for hydrogen, but the long-term cost per per mile driven it ends up being less. So as you get into heavier vehicles, um, the hydrogen starts to, to make more sense dollar-wise than it does in a smaller car. How do you think hydrogen stacks up as a potential alternative fuel solution in passenger cars? In passenger cars, I think it's a uh, I hate to say it's a pipe dream, but I think it's a pipe dream. Um, Toyota's the only one really putting any money into to passenger car. Um, the thing is, I mean, you're you're subjected to the same DOT restrictions as you are um, with commercial trucks. Is you know, I can't drive into Boston. I can't drive through a tunnel in Boston or drive over a bridge in a hydrogen powered car because I'm carrying hydrogen. It's hazardous material. Um, so that's really so. While there are a lot of hydrogen fueling stations in New England, um, the Toyota can't sell them a ride there because you wouldn't be able to drive the car anywhere. Um, with how quickly EV infrastructure is advancing, with the cost per kilowatt on batteries decreasing um, in passenger car, that's that's just the future. I don't know as much about commercial trucking as you um, do, um, so I would definitely defer to you. But my impression is you have the advantage of if you're a fleet operator, especially if you own a larger fleet, you could install your own hydrogen infrastructure at your at your hubs or um, there are the places that you go, like Port of Los Angeles, for example, you know, that's going to have uh, charging or I'm sorry, refueling there.
Um, that's uh, that seems to make more sense. Um, it, it's going to be down that. I mean, it's still going to come down to charge speed. It takes a really long time to charge a really large battery. Um, it doesn't take as long to fill a hydrogen tank. So, um, I don't know enough to say. Okay, well, it's but it's more cost effective cost effective to wait for a charge, or if it's more cost effective to have your driver driving and stopping and spending less time refueling with hydrogen. I don't have that answer. Um, but I think that's really the, the, the math that's going to be on it. Reading between the lines here, but since trucking seems to make a better business case for hydrogen in most cases than passenger cars, do you think that's why GM has forged these partnerships with companies like International and Nikola? Uh, because you know GM barely makes a truck that's heavy enough to require a CDL. I think General Motors very badly wants to be in fleets in a, in a way that they're not now. Um, I think the bright drop announcements are a real strong indicator that that they want to play in that in that space like they haven't before. Um, I think it's a little bit of a hedging in their bets, to be completely honest. Um, and it gives them a little bit of a chance to work on hydrogen technology because I believe the government's interested in the military is interested in hydrogen power vehicles. So um, I think they're really trying to develop the tech more for that space than anywhere else. But I definitely don't see them putting the money in it for passenger car. It's going to all be that terminal sort of stuff. You know, maybe, maybe they work out a deal with a big, you know, a big chain, like a, um, forgive me if I sound ignorant, but like, you know, like a loves or a travel stop or something like that to, to get um, hydrogen stations installed in some key hubs. But uh, it's just, it's hydrogen is so much money for the average consumer. And right now they're not really willing to pay that for an electric car. I, can't see them shelling out the extra money for passenger for hydrogen for passenger um i i find it i, I do find it fascinating um how toyota is so gung-ho on hydrogen for passenger cars i get the the truck the what they're trying to do in trucking you know when i see when you know i see somebody else like hyundai doing it you know when i see gm kind of wanting to get involved like that makes sense to me why toyota would then be like oh no we should spend some money here for for you know, class eight and these larger vehicles. Great stuff, Chad, and we really appreciate uh, all the perspective that you provided here. Um, you know, trucking tech uh, trends definitely tend to follow the automotive segment, uh, but in this case, it sounds like the path toward electrification might diverge some. Uh, if you're interested in electric cars, be sure to check out Chad's website, evpulse.com, and obviously for all things heavy trucks, we've got you covered here at ccjdigital.com. Before we go, Jason, uh, I heard through the grapevine that you were out on uh, an assignment earlier this week. Uh, are there any details you can share on that? Uh, yeah, not really. You know, I can tell you that I was out on a test drive of an updated truck model, so maybe that's the hint. It's not a brand new truck. It's a refresh of an existing truck, and uh, I'll, I'll give you another little peek that it's really, really well done. But uh, stay tuned, and I'll break that news officially in about two weeks. Well, that's this week's episode of the 1044. As always, we welcome your feedback. Please send us an email at 1044trucking at gmail.com or give us a call 404-491-1380 to leave us a voicemail. Uh, and until next week, everybody stay safe.